Hallelujah. Let's read from Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We are going to read verse 26 through 28. Genesis chapter 1. verse 26 and God said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the hair and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Verse 28 And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Verse 29, And God said, Behold, I have given you every air-bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree, hidden seed, to you it shall be for meat. Let's read verse 31. Verse 31 now, And God saw everything that he had made. Behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were on sixth day. Genesis chapter 2. From verse 5. Hallelujah. To 8. Genesis chapter 2 from verse, from verse 5 from verse 5 to 8 and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew for the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the, and, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man, whom he had formed and out of the ground made the lot to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil verse 10 and a river went out of eden to water the garden from this it was parted and became for it hallelujah 
uh, this morning I'm going to show you a lot of scriptures because we don't have any basis to relay any spiritual truth outside the Word of God we substantiate our experiences and reality from the Word of God so I'm going to be showing you a lot of scriptures but let me quickly draw some highlights from this portion of the scriptures from the portions of the scriptures read in Genesis chapter 20 chapter 1 verse 26 to 28 we saw that you as a man came into being as a result of God's proposition so the first piece of truth there is that mankind is not an accident on the face of the earth god knew about our existence we did not just came as a result of evolution we didn't just evolve out of nothing somebody our creator the almighty brought us here and if he does then he knows how we can survive how we can sustain and for us to actually live life to the minimum make the most use of all that he had given to us we have got to develop intimacy with him why because he created us so man was god's proposition so if man is god's proposition then it meant that the problems in the world can only be understood and be traced up from the perspective of God. For instance, if there is a problem in your lineage in your family, or something happened before you were born, or when your parents were courting, you know there is no way you would have known the problem except from your parents or those who knew your parents. There are certain facts your grandmother knows about your parents that you do not know. And until they relate to you can't know maybe your daddy has has a mark like my dad he had two marks on his wrist both in the arm and in the leg now when i inquire about those marks i got to know that daddy had a very serious illness that made it to be that he was shamed that was the nature of his affliction then now if grandma had not told me that story and my mother my mother told me also and grandma to buttress i wouldn't have known so here we saw god as our father who proposed us and if you check that verse 31 of genesis chapter 1 the scripture says that and god saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good that tells us that from the side of god there was nothing wrong the problem was not from god and as a matter of fact from genesis chapter 1 from verse 1 through through 3 we saw that verse 1 told us that in the beginning god was the one involved in the business of creation and he created the heavens and the earth but the problem came in verse 2 and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of, of, of the deep and the spirit of God moved on the face of the water. There was chaos. God did not make the world to be chaotic. There were conditions that are not suitable that does not please God. And God did not leave that conditions that way. 
So obviously, the conditions that we saw in Genesis 1-1 came into place because something caused it. As a matter of fact, this scripture here is not actually talking about the beginning of creation of things. Because it was not God who made the world without form. It was not the one who made it to be filled with darkness. It was not the one who made it to be void. And it was not the one who put what, um, I mean... I mean, we saw that water filled the face of the earth. Have you asked to say, where did the water come from? I thought this is a, a verse of the scriptures trying to tell us the beginning of creation. And if it were, already by the narrative, we saw that certain things were found that were not created by God. Like the waters upon the face of the earth, like the darkness. So if you look at it critically, you see that Genesis chapter 1, Verse 1 to 3 was not talking about the beginning of creation as it were. It was rather talking about the beginning of recreation. God recreating what he had recreated. The beginning of creation was only said in a verse. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Then something happened. What happened? We don't know. But suddenly the world became corrupted. And that would be nothing but the invasion of power of darkness. It means demons and then um, 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 spirits took over the face of the earth and God had to judge them. That's, that's what it would be. It meant that there had been a world that was judged. With flood. Like Noah was, Noah days was judged with flood. And darkness. Then after a while, God revisited the face of the earth. So this account is an account of revisiting. In other words, before mankind was made to occupy the earth, there had been certain beings who were not human beings who occupied the earth. Hallelujah. But now, my interest is in verse 3. God did not leave the face of the earth chaotic as it was. Verse 3 said, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And from verse 3 all through to verse 25, we saw how God put orderliness, put peace, put security, put provisions, put food, put trees, put everything, everything that will make the world to be a comfortable place to live in. Then when the old place was beautiful enough, then God thought of bringing man into it to govern it. So man was initially made the governor of the earth. And he was doing that on behalf of God. You know, it's just like a man who bought a piece of real estate in a foreign nation, then developed it. And since he does not live in that nation and, and he does not want the house to, to dilapidate, so maybe he hires somebody. A gardener and say, Okay, gardener, you can live in this house, uh, you can plant your vegetations on those parts of the piece of, of real estate we have not uh, actually uh, built on. So, cultivate it, feel good, eat, but ensure that you put my house in good condition. That was what God did to Adam. And check it the scripture did not say that God just dropped Adam somewhere on the earth. No, he said there was a garden of Eden. So a garden of Eden is a, 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 to me it seemed to be a kind of a location. Actually, it's a spiritual location. Eden means the presence. Because it has no physical location as well. 
so god said okay there is my presence which i would i would make man to dwell in so in the presence of god god found a place for man from the beginning before the fall then it means that you can't survive without a relationship with the father and obviously that is spelled out in the scripture in the cool of the day god will often come to fellowship with adam why is it so man cannot survive without god why is it that way one man was god's proposition two man had a configuration which is it was made in the image now the word image means in the physical appearance that is physiological structure and that is not just all image and also meant that it was made to represent to be an eyes for to stand in for to to replicate god as as it were okay when i say all right i'm starting a subsidiary of my company in um let's say south africa for instance then i'm standing mr a the hod in one of our departments in the nigerian branch to south africa to be our image now what is meant by that word image it's meant to to be our ambassador to be our minister to be our spokesperson to be um, the person our manager to be our supervisor to raise that business and employ people to come into it so that was the place Adam had it was to to protect Eden and from Eden extend the council and the kingdom of God never you forget that it was only the earth that had problem everyone was staying intact because God dwelt there so God said look I will put a man on the earth and hide behind him on the inside and through him I will govern this piece of real estate so that was the revelation Christ was giving to us when he said let your will be done here as it is done in heaven now what is that then he calls that reality the coming of the kingdom so the reason why we speak about the coming of the kingdom of god is because the word is perverse it was only fixed up physically but spiritually behind the scene adam mixed it and the whole system crumbled and every now and then for centuries and millions or or or, or, or billions or several thousands of years the world have been clogged up again with darkness with formlessness with no structure with vanity with emptiness with iniquity and for this the son of man showed up to put an end to that I said all of this to tell you the fact that God can't be blamed for the problems around the world. He has done what should be done to bring an end to those problems. And what he needs to do is to give us a savior and Jesus Christ the savior. Is to give us a king and Christ is the king. Through whom we can govern the world again and make it subject to the creator. So Genesis chapter 1 16 to 28 tells us that man was God's proposer. Man was made in the form of God, in the image of God, in the appearance of God. Number three, man has the characteristics of God. So, 
man is not just physically like god appearing like god he has a head he's standing erect he has a nose you know he has a hand he has a feet you know he, that's not what he's talking about he's not talking about the countenance or the, the, the physiological structures as well it's also talk about his, his his nature his attitude his character his um his peculiarities what is peculiar to man god loves man loves god is a spirit man is a spirit God talks, man talks. So man picks the nature of God. Not just that. Number three, man shares of the life of God and the spirit of God. The body is just a carcass. So God puts on the inside of man the soul and the spirit. In other words, God puts on the inside of man emotions to feel. And that emotion was put there in order to make him to be sensitive, to be able to identify with the things around him, in order to decide their fates and put them in order. So God puts in him feelings. So feelings is a part of God. That's why he's a father. That's why he can love us. God puts in him intelligence without measure. And God puts in him the ability to will and to do. That is the soul then despite this lavish investment despite this virtue that was kept in man God still breathes upon him his own breath, his own self in other words God puts himself on the inside of you why? because you are a governor you are a governor you are his representative he has chosen to do nothing without you because of his mouthpiece. And that's why you have to align yourself in order to do what he wants you to do. Or you, in order for you to be to, to maintain intimacy as he yokes you together with himself to, to give expressions to his counsel. And you know, 27 is very interesting. Now, 26 still also told us that man was not just God's proposal. Man was not just made in the image of God. Man does not just only have the likeness of God. Also, God gave him his own authority. Gave him the right hand to rule on his behalf. So, when David began to say, what is man that you are mindful of him? What David is telling us to go back to Genesis and see the lavish investment God had put in you. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul said, I pray for you that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know the purpose of him, the exceeding greatness of his power towards you who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he wrote in Christ. Then he also said that, that you may know what is the inheritance of what is the glory of the inheritance in the saints? Can you check that? That you will see what is the glory, the fullness, the extent, the measurelessness of what he had invested in you. And what are they? One, you are his image. Two, you are his proposal. Three, you have his authority. He gave you the right to rule. But when man lost the authority, because of disobedience do you know what happened man lost dominion he lost the ability to rule and from that day sickness can rule over him from that day poverty can rule over him from that day the elements of the world can rule over him but god's original intention is that he will be the ruler of our circumstances Glory be to God. But thank God Jesus Christ came and reinstated and reinstalled and redeemed all of this back to us. 
So if you have Jesus, you have been refashioned in that image. Because the scripture told us that Jesus Christ is the image of the invincible God. And Romans chapter 8 told us that those who believed in him, he justified us, we justified, he glorified, and he actually made them to be conformed. Conform is to look like, to turn out to be like Christ. Glory be to God. So God gave them dominion. And another thing you have got to pay attention to is that this dominion is not over fellow humans. The governance in the nations came as a result of the fall. And that came because God allowed it because it is just a, a tentative measure by which the excessiveness, the naughtiness, the evil in man can be curtailed. So he allowed kings and apportioned them locations so that they can, they can subjugate their people and suppress the evil in them although that does not help the situation. Hallelujah. Man had dominion, their bricks to rule. And what was it to rule? The fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. That is the physical dimension of it. And each of these items mentioned here actually are spiritual realities. They have spiritual indications or implications. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the spirit of marine, over typhoid, water-borne diseases, water-related sicknesses. Like the other day, the whole world suffered from COVID-19, coronavirus, and that was a problem from the waters. God said, I gave just as I've given you, you power over the aquatic organisms. He said, I gave you power over the invincible spirits who once occupied this terrain and were living in the waters. I gave you authority over them. Glory be to God. So you can deal with marine spirits. So you should not be the one that uh, prostitution and then lust should, be, should, should, should use against the template God made, made you for or made you to run. And the reason why you cannot control that lust, making you to run after man or making man to run after woman, here and there, and you have done that over the years. And each time you do that, you are depressed, you go in to cry. And as a result of that, you've raised up children, you cannot cater for them. They are becoming naughty, they are becoming untrained, and even your whole life is failing, your health is failing, and you are confused. Messiah is the king of kings. Let him govern your life, and your life will come into control. Over the fowls of the air. Now the fowls of the air are the birds. But that also implies the spirit that live in the second heaven. The principalities. Apostle Paul said those though we walk in the flesh, the, warfare, the, the, the weapon of our warfare rather, they are not ordinary. I mean they are not physical. Say they are mighty in the Lord to pulling down strongholds. There are strongholds. Now what are strongholds? Strongholds are elements that lay hold on you and will not let you go until they destroy you. And I'm going to show you one of them in Luke chapter 13. In particular, about a daughter of Abraham that the devil lay hold on strongly. And for 18 years, the woman was under attack, was under a siege, was under an harassment, was under a nassau of devil. He was bound over and she could not raise her head. She was sick for 18 years. But the day she encountered Christ, that problem came to a stop. 
So the fowls of the air stands for powers in the heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 6. Um, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Take on you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wild of the devil. Having done all, stand. Say, for we rest not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against dominion in the heavenly places. When God would tell the Israelites about it, he said, You shall not bow your head to the moons, to the suns, or to the image in the sky. And those things God was mentioning to them were not just moons and sun and all of that. They are the spirits. Over the fowls of the air. So we have power over devils. This is the basis of our dominion. This is the basis of authority. This is the foundation. This was the initial intentions of God. Never you forget what Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3. He said, God had made known to me the mysteries of the kingdom so that I can, I can bring the Gentiles to know what it means to fellowship with this mystery. And that through this knowledge and revelation of this mystery, we can teach the principalities and powers the manifold of God. And he said, this was what God intended to be done before the foundation of the world. I wish I would show you that scriptures. And over every creeping things that creep up upon the earth, every familiar spirit that are around you, and over all the earth. And that does not just mean the spiritual world, it also means the commerce and the business world. Most of the of the major businesses, uh, I mean major goods, okay, travel through the sea. And God said, Look, I want to put in charge that as time goes by, you are you are you are in control. You are importing and exporting goods. And you know what that means. Wealth. So wealth was God's initial package. And that was not only that. In verse 27, God said that. The scripture said that God did not change his mind. In 26, God proposed. God said, okay, I want to build a house, for instance. Or I want to buy an automobile. And I want to buy this and this configuration. And maybe when you go price that, you know, because you don't have money enough to to buy it, okay, said, okay, let me buy another one that is less in quality. Okay, maybe you want to buy auto, the one with automatic gear. It's okay, since I can't afford that, let me buy the one with the manual gear. So, that is an order. But in this order we have it, we saw that in 26, God proposed what he wants to do. But then in 27, we did not hear that God said that, okay, he was not able to make man as he proposed. Rather, what the KJV renders or translated to us was that God created man in his, so God created man. That's what I want to be. So God created man. That is, he did you, he made you, he fashioned you the way he has promised, he has planned to make you. So there is nothing wrong with you. Except that you lost the life of God. Except that you lost the nature of God. Except that you lost your sight of God. Except that you cannot recognize God. Except that you lost the likeness. And now you are acting like a beast. Because the major part of you, the spirit of God that enables you to be like God is missing. And it was not only so. Now 28 now gave us the climax. He now said, and God blessed them and said, fruitful, be fruitful. And multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. God repeated, repeated that. God repeated that. 
have dominion, I have authority over all the fish of the sea, over all the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And now look at 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every air bearing fruit. In other words, God dealt with the problem of anger. I mean, I want to say hunger rather. God said, look, I have not just only made in my in my, in my fashion. I am showering my love on you such that hunger, text, struggle, toiling are not part of my package. And to make things beautiful, now we will not turn to chapter 2. The scripture told us that God had to plant a garden in his presence and placed Adam, whom he had formed. Okay, and the scripture said that in that garden, that Adam was living, there is no need for any tension, any problem, any suffering, because there was a river that went out of Eden to water the garden. And you know, the scripture told us the quality and the, the treasure that was with Adam. He said, In this water, there were treasures. So, in other words, God connected Adam. To the treasures of heaven so that he will not lack. Aside the fact that he has, he has, he has set to the problem of hunger. So you are holistic in making. God made you perfectly enough. Now we want to be seen from this very moment the conditions of the earth after the fall. Whether the story in Genesis was allegorical or was literary. We know that Adam mixed God's plan. And God, in order to safeguard and secure the destiny of a man, God put him out of the garden. Now, check it. You know, we've been told that Adam was sent out of the garden as a form of punishment. It was not a punishment. It was God's jealousy. It's just like when your baby pulled on his or her body and it's messed up. What do you do? You remove the, the diaper. And then, you know, you wash the baby and you place the baby maybe on the bed or in the cart or in a safe place while you throw away the mess. That was what God did. So God had to put Adam out of Eden in order to... And, you know, as he was doing that, he said, look, this is what I'm going to do. Out of the woman, I will raise a seed. God was saying that. I will raise not a superhuman. That is, I will bring my son, somebody in my place. Somebody that is not a man, but will come through the woman. And then through him, I will crush out of you this poisonous beast. And it's, and, and it's poison that is left in your system. In other words, Christ came to flush out of our being. The pollution, the corruption, and the poison the devil puts in our system. He came to uninstall that demonic software that had been put to run our system contrary to the templates of the Father. Now let's quickly go to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Glory be to God forevermore. Luke chapter 13. I'm going to read from verse 16 because of time. I just want to show you something. Just verse 16 because of time. We can't read all. So I can focus on Luke chapter 13. 
Verse 16. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Glory to God. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? What was it all about? Now, verse 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had the spirit of infirmity for eighteen years, and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thy infirmity. And he laid his hand on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now, there was challenges. The Pharisees challenged him on the fact that Jesus shouldn't have healed her on the Sabbath day. That she should have come for healing other days and not on the Sabbath day, the day of rest. Then Jesus, Jesus Christ argued that all through and gave them convictions why the woman needed to be healed. Then after that verse 16, like I read earlier, now say that, is it not proper, is it not appropriate, is it not a norm that somebody who had a covenant with God, who belongs to the Abrahamic covenant, who is connected to the promise, to the covenant, you know, to the virtue that God placed in Adam to be free from that infirmity. Now, the, the, the thing I want to pick there, there are so much, I'm going to like them. But before then, let's look at what the scripture means by the daughter of Abraham. What is about Abraham? Number one, God called Abraham. Number two, God made to him the blessing of prosperity. He said, I will bless those who bless you, I will cause those who cause you. Number three, God promised Abraham a territory. In other words, Abraham was just not an individual, he was a king. Number four, God gave Adam a secret, the secret of God, the revelation of God. Adam knew God. Genesis chapter 18. God told Adam, he said, uh, sorry, Abraham, he said, Abraham, I cannot do anything without telling you. Since I know you command your children after, you know that word. God told Abraham in particular, he said, the covenant I'm making, which is not just for you, your children will benefit from it. They are part of this game. And like he told Adam, he said, look, I will be your God and you will be my person. And I will not just be your God, I will be a God to your lineage, I mean, to your generation, to your children. In other words, in other words, when Jesus Christ said, this is the daughter of Abraham, he meant that the covenant God made with Abraham, okay, let's see that, Genesis chapter 17. Oh, sorry, yes, Genesis 17. Genesis 17, from verse 7 to 8. Now, these God's covenant with Abraham, which this woman that is under affliction, under the attack of the devil belongs to. This was not just a promise to Abraham, it was it was a promise to her also. But the devil was able to lay hold on her because she was cut out of that covenant. What cut her off Maybe her sins? What cut her off Maybe her ignorance? What cut her off Maybe her indifference and negligence? If there's any way you have been disconnected from God's provision and plan in Christ Jesus today, you are incorporated in the name of Jesus. Now, check that verse, verse 6. Okay, now let's read um, Genesis chapter 17. Let's start from verse 1. Then we jump. 
And when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Now, the word Almighty means El Shaddai, the all-sufficient, the self-content, the all-breasted, the one that can do anything and that is sufficient to supply all you, all you need. He said, I am the Almighty, I am the El Shaddai, walk before me and be thou perfect. And the word be thou perfect there is the word be like me. Jesus Christ said, be perfect as your father is perfect. And you know, in Ephesians chapter 4, the word perfection is rendered to be in the measure of the stature of Christ. Of course, you know that scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 11, he gave some pastors, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, some um, prophets for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the measure of the stature of Christ. What is that all about? Then he said, to a perfect man. So, the perfection here is talking about oldness, becoming the image of God, becoming like who God is. So, God said, look, walk before me and be like me. Then, check the next verse. Verse 2 now says, I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. You think he was talking about Abraham alone, but no. Let's read on. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, as for me, Okay, and Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him. Now, let's jump to, to verse um, 6. Now, God said, I will make thee, this is the content of the covenant. I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Now, check that. Abraham was not just an individual. Out of him will come a king. So, he was the king of kings. He was a ruler, spiritually and physically. Now, if you read um, 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 Genesis chapter 13, we saw that Abraham was rich in all things. Genesis chapter 21, I think 21 or 20, the scripture said that God blessed Abraham in everything. So, Abraham lived a balanced life, financially, economically, spiritually, and then spiritually he was a king. He was a prophet. He had access to to to, go, to God's to God's heart, so he was he was an orator for God. He was representing God in the territory, and that is who this woman ought to be. Now check that. Out of the kings we come, rulers we come. This woman was meant to be ruler of the condition that was ruling her. Can you imagine a ruler becoming a victim of the in the territory he should have ruled? And check it. Verse 7. Verse 7 now says, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed, which this woman belongs to. So when Christ said the daughter of Abraham, she was connecting that woman to, to the blessings of Abraham, number one. Number two, Jesus Christ emphasized that the blessings of Abraham are still intact, even as at the time he, he was there. Even we also in Romans chapter 11, Apostle Paul said we are engrafted into the fig tree as the white olives so that the blessings that and the covenant that God had with Abraham came upon us in Galatians. Apostle Paul said that um, it was made a cause for us that the blessings of Abraham. Now what is the blessings of Abraham? Righteousness. That we can be right. That our health can be correct, that we can be we can be well in our mind, well in our body, well in our finances, well in parenting, well in relationship, we may live a balanced life. This was the covenant led for this woman, but she was caught short of it because of ignorance, because of sin. So everything the Lord is telling us is for our good. Sin will only damage you, we only destroy you. 
I will establish my covenant between me and thee and the seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting. It has no scope of time. It is everlasting. There is no limitation. It is the order of the of the of, of the kinship of, of David, the order out of which Christ sprang out as a root from the stem of David. To be a God unto thee and to the seed after thee. Check that. And I will give unto thee and to the seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger and the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be thee God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant before. Thou shalt keep my covenant therefore. Thou and the seed after thee in their generations. Now, check it. So why is this woman not a beneficiary of these blessings of health of provision of expansion of possession of properties and estates okay why is she cut off from that flow of life that came as a result of god's commitment with abraham because she did not meet the condition god told abraham this is the covenant i will make with thee and thy seed forever if they will keep the deed of this commitment. Now check it. Verse 9 says, Thou shalt keep my covenant. That if they keep up to the agreement. So there was a requirement which determines whether you have access to the life of God or you are caught away from it. Hallelujah. Now let me show you from another side the validity of the blessings of Abraham. Romans chapter 11. I saw this years ago. I know it's blew me off. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Overtake I think it's chapter 9, not 11. Okay, I want to list out for you eight things that this woman had access to but she was caught away from because she cannot keep the covenant. Number one. Okay, let me read the scripture then I will begin to alight. Romans chapter 9 from verse 1 to, to 8 very quickly. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertinent the adoption. Check off. These are the blessings of Abraham. These are the things the daughters and the children, I mean the sons of Abraham, should, should, should enjoy. Number one, he said to to this race of the Israelites or the Jews, pertinent adoption. Adoption is to make your own what is not your own. That scripture we read in Genesis chapter 17. I will be their God, they shall be my people. They are not my people, I will make them, I will adopt them. Belongs adoption, the adoption, the glory of God, and the covenants, and the giving of the law. God gave them the law so that they can live rightly and experience errors, experience peace, experience totality, experience balance and order in their life. 
and the service of God and the promises whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came who is over all God blessed forever not as though the word of God has taken none effect for they are not all Israel which are Israel neither because they are of the seed of Abraham are they all children but in Isaac shall the seed be called that is they which are of the children of the flesh these are not the children of God but the children of the promise are counted for seed for this is the promise at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son okay let's stop there now what I just want to pick here is that you saw seven things that this woman should have leveraged on but because she was ignorant the devil took an advantage of her and bowed her for 18 years are there not many daughters of Zion that the devil had put on their shins? Are there not many children of God that are under demonic assault? Although they claim to have known Jesus, they claim to have confessed Jesus, but their life is in perpetual depression, in perpetual affliction, in, a, in perpetual assaults. Whatever you are battling with today, they lose their hold on you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, from the scriptures I've read, We can alight some things. That is, certain truths are revealed from those references I've shown you. And let me just mention just um, eight things that I was able to pick. Eight things that I was able to pick. Number one, God's authority is meant to affect lives to touch destinies and enable God's purpose. Look at that woman. God's purpose for her is to live in health. But she was bowed and then afflicted by the devil. But when the word of the Lord came to her, what happened? She was freed. She was made free. She had her freedom. And how did she have that freedom? Authority. So the authority God had given to you is to your own advantage. And let me tell you this. Sin damages, sin destroys, sin kills. So be wise. Be given to God. Be all out for God. Dig yourself into the, into the reality of the spirit. That's where your dominion and your power is. Never you forget where we read in Genesis. God gave you authority. And that authority is to make you to control, to ride over the circumstances, the horrible nature and conditions and elements in the world. Look at that Psalm 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall buy under the shadow of the Almighty. Shall says of the Lord, is my strength. I said they will not be afraid of the pestilence by day. Not the destruction by night. A thousand will fall at your right hand. Tens of thousands at your left side. It will not come to you. Why? Because you have a dwelling place. So the authority of heaven is a siege. Is a coverage. Is a tabernacle. Is a shade. Is a protection. Is a guide over you. Remain there. Number two. An encounter with Jesus is the only thing that can bring about a turning around in your life. When a man comes into an encounter, whatever I've been, I've been driving him or her here and there comes to an end. 
so i don't know what the issue had been in your life what you've been struggling with okay but what i'm telling you is that you see all you have got to do and all you have got to to come in contact with to to check that condition in your life is to have an encounter with christ it pleases god colossians chapter one that in him in christ you dwell all the fullness of god in bodily form Ach, i like that word bodily in in intangible form so there are there are tangible blessings tangible energy tangible solutions to all prevailing circumstances that are against the goodness of god that are against the templates of god that are against the blueprints of god for your life in him dwells. So if you don't have a connection to him, you can go through your life on being under frustration, being under the, the embargo of darkness. Can you imagine? The same problem of, of, of the woman with the issues of blood. Okay. Hallelujah. I want us to move very fast. Three, Jesus is always encountered when and where the word of God is taught under the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Never you forget that one of the statements that the synoptic writer keep iterating about Christ is that he does not teach or he did not teach like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. How did he teach? The scripture says he taught as one who has authority to enforce the counsel of God. And that, 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 is, that is authority. Enforcing God's counsel. It's just like the rod of Moses, by which is able to provoke signs and wonders, by which is able to, to part the Red Sea, by which is able to bring out water from, from the rock. Authority. It was when Christ was teaching that this woman came around. And palm the power flowed out of him. And 18 years problem. Not 18 months. Not 18 days. Not 18 weeks came to an end maybe the problem in your life is just a few weeks old or a few months old or maybe three years old today the power of god will fix them in the name of jesus or maybe you've been married and you've been having um um the problem with conception maybe three years is becoming to you like 300 years today that problem that has proven unyielding, that is a nagging issue in your life, that keep raising its ugly head. Today, they will be buried in the Red Sea. In the name of Jesus, by the power of God, I release the power of God to silence, to cut off those problems from their very roots. The scripture says that when that woman with the issue of blood moved to Jesus, as she came to touch Jesus from behind, virtue, power flowed out of Jesus and the source of her problem became dried. In other words, problems are not just ordinary. There are sources to them. It could be devil. It could be natural cause. It could be an affliction. It could be as a result of your own ignorance. But whatever is the source of your problem, today I command them to dry off. In the name of Jesus, just as Christ caused that fruitless victory, who was operating contrary to the to the to to, 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 to the design of God, I caused every problem in your life to dry off in the name of Jesus Christ. By the way, why did Jesus Christ cause that victory? Because he had no fruit. No, but because it was 
a type of a life that is contrary to the design of God. Because by design, fig tree happens to be a kind of tree that bears fruits before leaves. In other words, before leaves come on a fig tree, the first thing that comes forth or that shows forth is the fruit, not leaves. So, merely seeing the fruit, Christ believed that, okay, if this fig tree had had leaves on itself, it meant that it had got some fruit and the leaves have covered up, shielded off the fruits. But when Christ moved on, he discovered that this tree was meant to be a deceiver. Was and had fallen short of God's standard, of God's system. And by divine standard, there is no season in your life where you should be fruitless. Revelation chapter 21. There is a fruit, and there are trees that are watered by the river that came from the throne of God, and they bring forth their fruit in their seasons. There is no season when they are fruitless. And Christ said, Look, this tree represents an order that is out of alignment. Then if that is a condition, what you have got to do there is not to pity it, to move it out of. To move it out of space. And Christ said, look, it's not about me, it's about you. Whatever you say to the mountain, it will come to pass because you have authority. Okay, for time's sake, number four, the devil can afflict you regardless of where you came from, who your parents are, how worthy you are, how influential you are. Imagine the daughter of Abraham that had access to eight key content of, of, of God's dealings with Abraham. He had the covenant, he had the promise, he had adoption, he had the law, he had the service of God to who belongs to fathers. Eight things. And this woman was under bondage for 18 years. Except you have an encounter with Christ, the devil make a mess of your life. Hallelujah. Number five. God has no grandchildren. You must be responsible and accountable. You must make up your mind to know him personally. Good, your parents could be ministers. But if you don't strive to know him personally, it will be a problem. Because all the assets your parents had escaped is coming to launch them on you. So you must be responsible and accountable. If you are neither cold nor hot, the devil can damage you. He will take advantage of you, of course. He will manipulate you. He will frustrate you. He will destroy you. And at the end of it, take you to hell. The more reason why you have to decide to work with the Father now. Six. Affliction, bondage, chaos, depression, and all evil in the world, in your life, in your environment, 
are the handiworks of the devil. And these problems can only be solved, can only be broken off, can only be, be, be annulled by the power of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is the governor of this kingdom. Seven. One major way the power of God is expressed is when the word of God is taught. And we minister the power of God oftentimes sometimes by the laying on of hands. Look how Christ healed the woman. He laid his hand and declared. So words are substance, words are real things. And in all of the scriptures I've shown you over time, you see that one of the ways to connect to the realm of the spirit and engage in spiritual battles is to declare under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'm not just declaring words in your life. I'm going to lay hands on you. And as I lay hands on you, that devil that is angering your life, angering your finances, troubling you elsewise, making you to be rational, making you to go mad, troubling your finances, troubling your children, I will cast them out today in the name of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach deliverance to those who are bound. To open prisons to those who are locked to change the garment of those who are who are mourning for the garment of joy. That is the function of the anointing. That is the function of the authority. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring deliverance, to bring joy, to bring excitement, to bring wealth. And if there's anything that is contrary to this order, today they dropped off in your life. In the name of Jesus, by the power of heaven. But check it. All of the provisions you need, God has chosen to place them in Christ. So if you have not decided to work with Christ, you have only cheated yourself. And you have placed yourself where God cannot help you. Because it places God to put in Christ all that God will do and deal with man. And very importantly, it means that if it seems your life is under a siege, under a problem, that seems not to respond or yield to all the efforts you have made. All you have got to do is to immerse yourself under the influence of God's word. Listen more to God's word. Study God's word the more and pray them. Those problems will shift. That depression has a form of attack in your life. That poverty has a form of attack. That ignorance. That isolation. Those things the devil has targeted to ruin your life, to ruin your home, to ruin your business, to ruin your relationship, to ruin your ministry, they will drop off. All you have got to do is to be solely giving to God's word. And that was where I started from three weeks ago. When I showed you a scripture in First Timothy chapter 1, chapter 3, or chapter 4, where Apostle Paul told Timothy to, to give himself only to the word of God until the prophet, until the effect became obvious. Hallelujah. The last point I want to make there is that some problems are not medical problems. They are spiritual problems. And until you address them as spiritual problems, you will suffer all through your life. Hallelujah. You will suffer. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And you know what has actually baffled me recently is that 
I have observed that some Christians are able to manifest God's authority to a greater degree in their lives than some others. They are able to control their fears and the circumstances around their life by the authority of heaven than others. You know, that reminds me some years ago, my mother's pastor, he happens to be a stammerer. But each time he comes to minister, he always asks few words. After sharing from the word of God, he asks the Holy Ghost to take over the meeting. Then when the power of God became so strong in the house, all he will be saying is, I command. And as he says, I command, you see the power of God break forth. You see demons scream. You see problems being exposed. And you know, you see deliverance. You see power flow. And this man happens to be just a man of a few words. They will not scream and clam and clap and twist the people. You know, all of that, like some other messers do. You just say, hmm... I command the power of God. And even before he finishes saying that, boom, the power is all over. What is responsible? Why some Christians, why some ministers are able to command the supernatural than others? I found two reasons. And I conclude on those two reasons. Number one, some Christians are able to command or to be at the command of the power of God, of the supernatural than others because they are more conscious of the spirit life than the other. And when I say they are more conscious of the spirit, of the spirit life than the other, I mean they spend more time in the word of God. They spend more time praying. They value intimacy with the Holy Ghost and they stay away from everything that is going to be a stain to them. They are straightforward, more conscious of the spirit life. And because of that consciousness, they can walk in a higher degree, in a deeper degree than the others. And the other reason, as I suppose, is that some believers have learned to exercise authority over the devil over and over, over and over, than some other believers have even tried to. So because they have done this dealing of dealing with demons, sending out the demons, they've grown boldness, they've grown courage. And because of that, they are known in hell. And some seem to have gained mastery over the devil. They know what to do. They know how to connect to the realm of the spirit. They are the realm of the spirit. These are the things we have got to learn. Connect how to connect to the realms of the spirit. What to do to, to make the power of God break out in the meeting. One of them is to pray. And I used to study the scriptures. And I used to meditate. And I used to stay under a heavier anointing or an anointing that is heavier than yours. And that needs to allow the Holy Ghost to find its way. If you do those five things, you see the power of God break out in your meetings. You see it break out in your life, break out in your business. Learn to stay. Don't, it's not about activities. It's about get, gaining advantage through the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Look at how that those demons embarrass the seven sons of Skivas who try to cast them out in the name of Jesus they never knew. What was the reply? They said, Jesus we know. Paul we know. But who are you? 
The reason why the devil has been asking you to prove whether you are in God. Look at what Apostle Paul said. He examine you say whether you are in the faith. Except you are a reprobate. Or except you are believing in vain. The devil will challenge you. Prove that you have God. Like Goliath challenged David and Israelites. Prove to me that you, you are a carrier of God. Paul I know. Jesus I know. But who are you? So how do we then deal with demons? Apostle James says, Submit yourself under the arm, the, 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 the mighty arm of God and resist the devil shall flee. Submit yourself. Come under the authority of heaven. James was talking about authority. When you come under the dominion of the kingdom, when you speak to the devil, he will, he will flee. And should there is resistance. Apostle Peter told us that we have got to resist steadfastly, which will maintain our ground. He said, resist him steadfastly in your faith. Because of your adversary, the devil, going here and there, looking for whom to destroy. But you have got to resist him. And your authority over him will come as to submit yourself to God. When you look at Jesus' ministry, it is proven that there are three sources of all problems. Or three causes or three fountains of all the problems anyone may be battling. Number one, some problems have natural causes. Like Jesus Christ in John, I think, chapter 9, healing a man that was... I think born blind, born blind. Okay, let's see that scripture. Was he born blind or that he was crippled? John chapter 9. Hallelujah. Let's quickly see that scripture. I just want to certain things that won't just, won't just um, guess it. Hallelujah. Okay, he was born blind. John chapter 9. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth and his disciple asked him saying what saying master who did sin this man or his parents that he was born blind jesus replied verse 3 jesus answered neither has this man sinned nor his spirit but that the works of god should be made manifest in him in other words this was a strategic problem to give advantage for the expressions of the power of god and I've been telling you about some weeks now that the challenges you faced is just an occasion for you to experience in dimension of God you never knew existed. How would Abraham have experienced Jehovah Jireh until he came to a, to a, to, to a juncture where he needed God to give a substitution for Isaac if Isaac would not be sacrificed? How would he have known that God is El Shaddai until God came and tell him the reason why he asked not to be disturbed because he had no issue. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there are three problems. Some are caused by natural causes. Some are direct affliction from the devils and demons. And some problems are appointed by God. But the, the good news is that Christ took your place so that you can take his place and so that you can rule on his behalf. When he said the authority is given unto you, he meant the authority is given unto you. 
and your authority is your right to rule the condition in your life. And you know, it's my interest that you walk in your authority and learn to exercise it over the devil and over opposing, over contrary, over challenging circumstances. Authority is your birthright. And by the virtue of who you are in Christ, and by the virtue of the fact that you are you are Christ's ambassador, by the virtue of the fact that you are his and that you are serving his purpose, Christ has given you a seat of power to act on his behalf like a minister does in politics. Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over every power of darkness and nothing by any means will hurt you. He said in another portion of the scripture, he said, I appoint to you a kingdom that you may sit with me in my father's kingdom. Nothing should rob you of this right. Nothing, whatever. Fear, negligence, ignorance, carefree attitude. Nothing should. Because God has no favor right. But you are the one that determines the degree of him you, you enjoy. And as a matter of fact, you enjoy God to the degree of your submission and audacity. You have faith so that you can come into the kingdom. You have authority so that you can use the, the blessings you have or superimpose the counsel of God as, been, as it has been revealed to you in the kingdom. Your authority is your legal provision to rule horrible circumstances because of your position. Meanwhile, your faith is just an initiation into the divine royalty which you belong to now. But will you grow up? Will you devote these strong means? Because strong means belong to those who by reason of use could exercise their mind, could exercise their authority. The authority is to be used, not to be bragged about. And for years, you know, I've thought that we don't receive because we have faith. Faith only speaks of our relationship with the Father. We receive because God loves us. And check it, whatever you receive in this kingdom is to the degree of what you believe, of the vision you have, and of your boldness to use your authority. So I want to challenge you. There is nothing wrong with you. You are perfect, you are whole. All you need to do is to take authority over that condition. Can you raise your hand and say, Father, I position myself. Release to me your power. Help me to be able to weed your influence by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Can you pray in the name of Jesus? Can you say, Father, I take authority over every circumstances in my life that are not that are not according to your counsel, that are against your will for my life. The scripture said they had made known to us the counsel of his will. So we know what God is doing. We know what he had freely given to us by the Spirit. So I stand against everything that is against God's provision for me in Christ. Can you stand up and say, Father, I am standing against every opposition. Of darkness in the name of Jesus, we take authority over them. Mahako Shatabalaya.